writing. It's what I love. It's the creative craft that I identify with most. And I'm fortunate that throughout my life, it's kind of come naturally to me. It always has. I'm lucky. Or maybe, maybe somebody early on in my life said I was good at writing. And so then I pursued it more and with more confidence. And that made me good at it. Maybe that's it. It's about the reps after all. And so early on, someone must have said, hey, Jay, you can write. And then I decided, well, I like how that felt. So I should continue to write. And by writing, I became a writer. So anyways, writing is what I identify with the most. The words you're hearing me speak right now are written and they're being read pretty much verbatim. Though I should say I often look away from the page and add things like pretty much to the script. The thing is, These words are written to be heard by your ears, not read by your eyes. And that means I do things like add ellipses when I want to insert a pause in my performance, dot, dot, dot. I write all caps when something must be emphasized for you. And I write in choppier sentences. They're shorter than maybe writing a blog post or my books. They're more redundant, too. I repeat myself more often to make sure that you understand what it is I'm saying. Because for you to understand what it is I'm saying, I might have to repeat myself. You might be walking the dog, doing the dishes, driving. Podcasting, after all, is a multitaskable medium. With shows that I create, the words I write has to work in harmony with the performance on the microphone. But it is the writing that is the engine underneath or inside the car that drives everything especially as a podcaster, but across the created work, your voice is a creative tool and you can learn how to use it, how to direct it, how to drive it like a pro. It's a craft that you can hone. And underneath and driving it all is something that many of us start with even before we become podcasters or videographers or whatever else we're creating, the written word. After all, you may not identify as a writer, but I'm sure you've written something. And maybe you already consider yourself a master of writing. So today, we want to dive into a world-class show to highlight the masterful writing for audio. I want to know how to do the things you do. A thing, a two, a three that only comes from you. This is three clips. It's true. I wouldn't lie to you. I'm Jay Akunzo, also true, factually correct there. And on this show, we bring on podcasters we admire to make sense of their created work a few little pieces at a time, because it's right there in the micro moments, the hidden techniques, those tiny little decisions people are making that the good stuff unfolds, which means many of us can make more elevated podcasts too. It's not about going big and having crazy budgets or anything like that. We believe creativity unfolds in the day-to-day practice here on the show. This show is a Castos original series. Now, right now, I'm speaking to you while I'm on parental leave. We just welcomed our second kid. Our our baby boy was born to us about three weeks ago. So we're going to re-air an episode. And this was actually before we consistently brought on guests. So rather than hear another podcaster break down their work, I I was kind of running solo on the show at this time, so I would find a show I admired and break it down piece by piece. So that's what you're going to hear today. It was one of our more popular early episodes, and I wanted to bring it back while I'm away on parental leave, and uh, we're still booking new guests and interviewing new podcasters. So we're going to have a lot of good content coming up for you as soon as I return. Okay, let's get into that episode. 
All right, so let's get to know the podcast we're dissecting today and explore that theme of writing for audio and what it does to the experience. It's time now for Facts of the Show. Have you heard George's podcast? That's not a question. That's actually the name of the show we're dissecting today. Have you heard George's podcast? It's a BBC-based show. It's run by the BBC. That's the network that the show is a part of and made possible through. And it's from a guy by the name of George Mapenge, whose stage name he's more popularly known as, especially in the UK, George the Poet. He's a British spoken word artist. He's a poet. He's a rapper. And he writes about social and political issues that face the black inner city community in the UK. He also writes about topics that range. They range pretty heavily from family to education to art to prison and the police. He's really well known in England. For example, he read a love poem for the opening of the BBC's coverage of the royal wedding of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. My sources tell me that that was an important thing that people cared about outside of the UK for some reason. Anyways, George the Poet actually quit rapping soon after being signed to Island Records and only releasing one EP ever. And he quit because he decided he could more effectively spread the messages of his community by shifting his focus from poetry to, among other things, podcasting with a poetic twist. And so, Have You Heard George's Podcast was born. Now let's take a look at the three pillars of any great show, the three component pieces, the premise, the format, and the talent. Let's start with the premise. Have you heard George's podcast, or as we'll just refer to it from here on out, George's podcast, is a show meant to inspire empathy about the issues that affect black people who live in cities. The episodes feel like audio essays, and George brings us on this journey inside his own mind by intertwining music and personal storytelling and poetry and fictional conversations in order for us to feel an intimate connection to the subject matter and George's own experiences. He has two seasons of the podcast live right now, and George really shows us things rather than tells us things. They're stories, but they're not really narrative arcs end-to-end. There's a lot of little vignettes. It's like a very quilted way of editing. And these stories are about unexpected run-ins with the police, trauma in black art, and what it's like to feel like a foreigner in the country you grew up in, just to name a few of his topics. So that's the premise of the show. As for the format, the format changes every episode, actually. It wouldn't be wrong to say that this doesn't really have a format overall. But George makes that work. Each episode is a grab bag of creative segments or sketches, really, which seamlessly flow from one to the next with music and sound design all stitching it together and creating one cohesive whole. Like I said, it's one story per episode, but those stories contain very many discrete moments intricately crafted and carefully woven together. So, for example, he'll make the listener an eavesdropper in an intimate phone call that he had with the country of Uganda. And it sounds like two lovers talking, even though he's talking to a personified version of Uganda. Or maybe George will place us in the passenger seat of a car next to George as he drives us around and sings songs that are among his favorites. George also changes his performance and delivery throughout the episode. He's really led by the writing. It is a scripted performance. And he moves really smoothly back and forth from regular conversational speaking to spoken word to rapping and back again. So, we've talked about the premise, we've talked about the format, and of course, 
you already have met the talent because it's in the name of the show, so you know who George the Poet is a little bit. But let's actually start to feel it, because among all the shows we've profiled, this is a show about feeling more than most. So let's hear what it sounds like in our next segment, Snap Judgments. As human beings, we form impressions of things in a fraction of a second. And given the sheer volume of stuff that we have to choose from every day, where we spend our time, what we consume, the early moments of any episode we ship are among the most important. So instead of front-loading all kinds of boring housekeeping or self-promotional updates, or even a summary of the episode to come, what if we just focused on opening strong, which would then encourage listeners to continue listening? And that's the whole point. That's the golden rule of audio. Get them to the end. Oftentimes, how you start determines whether or not someone wants to finish. So since openings are so important, we're going to play the first few moments of an episode of our selected show today and in real time, reflect on those first few seconds, just like a listener would. So this is the show's uh, first ever episode that we're about to hear. And ironically, given what we're about to do with this show, the name of that episode is Listen Closer. So why don't we? Have a good day. My name's George the Poet, but right now I'm Uncle George, watching my nephews play with their friends. I'm 20 years older than these kids, and I'm imagining what the next 20 years will be like for them. Some of them will obviously be dead. Some in jail. Some sitting right here watching their own kids, asking the same questions. People get uncomfortable when you talk about children like that. Like there's a cause and effect relationship between the things we say aloud and the way the future pans out. Like these negative prospects are less likely for our children if we don't acknowledge the current reality. Maybe words really are that powerful. Or maybe that's just a story we tell ourselves to imagine power into existence. What do you notice? What immediate judgments did you make there? Here are a few from me. So first and foremost, we're immediately somewhere. Through a simple string of sounds, namely children playing in the background and some kind of room tone or outdoor tone, if you will. It's clear we're not just in like a contained studio, right? We're somewhere outside in the world. There's that hum or din along with the children's uh, noises. George immediately established that setting for us right away. In other words, he's showing us something, not just telling us. He doesn't say, imagine you're here. He just places us there. We're immersed immediately. And as a result, he grips us right away. Now, maybe he or a producer actually recorded his nephew and their friends, or maybe he or a producer stitched together some kind of free sounds. I love using freesound.org to find my free sounds. But no matter which George did, it's theater. It's theater of the mind. We picture something thanks to the sound. And I I think, you know, Ira Glass is famous for saying this. Audio is inherently a visual medium. Sounds weird. Audio is a visual medium. Think of it this way. Because there is no screen, we can't just give the visuals to somebody else. We have to create them. So sound design is a way to help the listener create a more vivid picture. But so are the words you choose. So are the pauses. So are the 
sources of analogy that you give, the details that you offer. Um, so are, are the, the way I emphasize certain words or use the tone of my voice in the emotion of my voice. Everything we do is theater in some way, trying to get you, the listener, to portray something in your mind in a vivid fashion. So if I say to you, imagine a group of children playing on a playground, you might have a decent image. But if I play the sound of it, then in far less time and in a much more vivid way, you're picturing it because it's like you're there because the sound sparks a feeling in a way that maybe words don't all the time. It's the same reason that somebody yelling, get out of the way, is a lot less effective than somebody blaring a horn at you as they drive past. The ability to respond to language is something we as people learn. And it takes some processing power in our heads to move from somebody's words to somebody's meaning. However, we're just hardwired to react to sounds. It's like we just don't have a choice. It's an instinct. It just happens. So with George's episode, we're just in it. It just happens. And that's all thanks to the sound. Now, by the way, this is an amazing byproduct and also lesson we can learn here. Um, We aren't given the choice to think through, do we want to continue listening? I think it's what what most people do in the episodes that they start when they summarize the episode to come. They're like, we have a great show. We're talking to this guest. Here's what we learn. You're going to hear us talk about this and this and this and this and this. You're trying to give people a little bit of a summary or a cheat sheet to know if the episode is for them or not. I say, don't even give them the choice. Just start them in a moment that they understand is so for them. It's so irresistible. An open-ended question that they can't wait for you to answer. A little vignette, a story, uh, something like, like George does, where it's sound designed. It doesn't matter. George doesn't give us the choice to decide, hmm, do we want to continue listening to George? You're just there. You're present. You're immersed. You're listening. You're going to continue. Now, now, best of all, George goes beyond the basics there, not just in the sound design, but in the words he chooses and what he's saying. People get uncomfortable when you talk about children like that. Like there's a cause and effect relationship between the things we say aloud and the way the future pans out. Why don't we want to speak these words out loud, these tough ideas about children's lives in the future? They won't actually change a kid's life if we speak them out loud and wonder what will happen to these children. Or maybe, he says, maybe words are that powerful. Oh, I guess we're going to explore this nuance in the show because I don't have clarity at all. That's an open loop. I have questions now. And George needs to provide closure on those questions. That's the journey through his show. So George introduces what we can expect from the show's content, but he also introduces what we can expect from the experience. He doesn't just say, welcome to the show. We're about this. He also allows you to participate in the setup of the show. That's genius. That is unbelievable. So let's move beyond snap judgments to really dive into the writing and the experience of George's show in our next and main segment, Three Clips. Somewhere along the way, creativity started to mean big. To do something creative meant to do something radically different, wholly original, or huge. It creates a lot of random stunts in the workplace of creators, instead of consistent creativity, and it prevents a lot of people from trying to master and improve something or make anything that people truly love, because they feel like they just can't go big. So in three clips, we want to take back the meaning of the word creativity. Creativity doesn't mean big. It's just about tiny decisions all strung together. And ideally, 
some of those are refreshing changes from the status quo. So let's make sense of George's great podcast a few little pieces at a time. Let's set up the first clip. This clip is actually doesn't need too much setup. It's just what follows from what we just heard in the snap judgments section. So let's just dive right into clip number one. So anyway, I'm watching these kids playing, wondering how many of them will die from stab wounds versus bullet wounds, which of them will get sectioned first, what kind of drugs they'll be selling in 20 years, how Brexit will affect their exposure to firearms. And I've got an idea. We should revisit our story, and instead of retelling it, we should rewrite it. I'm not saying let's fabricate history. I'm saying let's learn to interpret what we're going through in a way that makes us stronger and leaves us with a better idea of how to manage it. So on that cheerful note, (laughs) welcome to my podcast. Okay, so what's going on here? George has told us that he believes that everything is a story and that you can come up with a better one. He sees some kids directly in front of him playing in the playground, and he imagines us into the future. He dreams up possible stories for these children. Later in the episode, we go to Pluto. Pluto used to be a planet. Now it's not. And he's showing us that by changing the story about Pluto in our minds, we've effectively changed the structure of our universe without physically changing it. We went from the old story, which is Pluto's an important part of our solar system, our ninth planet, to the new story. Pluto is just dead frozen rock floating around out there. Even though Pluto hasn't changed, it feels different when we think about it. So what about those kids and their stories? There are lots of really great things going on here in this clip, both the writing and the sound. So let's just touch on both of those briefly before clip number two. Um, Let's start with the writing. What George is doing in this first piece of script is showing us two different things. Number one, that he's aware that this podcast is is his own story that he's writing and that he believes in the power of rewriting stories because he wants to rewrite the story of his own community. But he doesn't explicitly say that. He doesn't tell us that in those words. Instead, he talks about Pluto. And that brings us to point number two of why this clip was important from a writing standpoint. He's demonstrating his style of never explicitly hitting you over the head with a point he's making. If you want someone to just hand you the answers of the plain language, this is not the show for you. Instead, you're going to hear George throughout his podcast uh, plant seeds in your mind or help you make connections by giving you a story that seems irrelevant, but now all of a sudden it illuminates some kind of commonality that you didn't otherwise see. He's doing what a lot of great writers do, trusting the reader, or in this case, the listener. And this lets his audience, in this case us, feel smart. We are arriving at the conclusions. He's not just handing it to us. He puts down two different things next to each other where he sees a parallel, but then he lets us have the aha moment of how they're connected. We don't do this enough, especially if we're marketers. We hand out answers. We make it total plain language and total obviousness. I think I do this a lot in this show. I mean, arguably, that's what this show really is, right? But letting listeners come up with their own conclusions, or at least feel like they have, is way more empowering and helps them absorb and remember both the material and you. But so often, our content devolves into a reductionist summary. We summarize the episode up front, or maybe, and this is even more common, maybe we just summarize stuff at the end 
trying to wrap it up with a nice neat bow, a nice little box, whether it's visual, like inside an article, or spoken, like you're trying to create a segment at the end of your podcast, and into that box or into that segment go your key takeaways. So what do we learn from this? Three things. Number one, if you're doing X, make sure you do Y. Sometimes the most impact you can have is to let people sit with a thought or a feeling and make sense of it. Let it simmer a while. Don't just hand them the conclusions. Let them arrive at their own. In order for listeners to make connections, they need room to think. In other words, they need you to shut up for a moment. George has a lot of long pauses in his scripts, pauses that make me feel uncomfortable if I perform them, especially if we don't have sound design and music like George. And those pauses are now places where his listeners can sit with what they just learned or heard and get the message, really let it sink in there. Now, part of this is technical savvy. A listener is always slightly behind the words they're hearing, so they need pauses to catch up. Did you catch that? I'll repeat it again. Listeners are always slightly behind the words they're hearing, so the host needs to pause a little bit to let them catch up, or, like I'm doing right now, restate something. Okay, now that you're caught up, let's proceed. I mentioned before that we were going to touch on the writing and the sound, so let's move on to the sound part of clip number one. Um, The piece opens with an ambient sound of kids playing on the playground. We heard that in Snap Judgments. And we know the scene is going to change without him telling us because all of a sudden you hear the flipping of the pages and George scribbling like in a diary. Then you hear some reflective sounding piano coming in very lightly. And we know that we're leaving that playground to go to a more reflective place. Now, again, George doesn't need to hand that to us. He doesn't need to say, I leave the playground and sit down at my desk to write back at home. We know we're doing that because of a few simple sound cues. Okay, let's go to the next clip. This clip comes almost directly after clip number one. Let's just play it forward a little bit. I I don't think you need any setup beyond that. Here we go. Picture a car driving down the road towards you. Right now you're live in my Birmingham shop. Closer it gets, the more excited you get. Make sure your phone's off. Oh, by the way, sorry, quick note about the blindfolds. You can take them off whenever you want. I just feel like it will work better if you start off with it. You're just staring at me like, nope. Fine. That's right. Close your eyes if you can't find it. It's all good. Um, the car's getting closer towards you. Um, and as it approaches, you hear music, just like a music video. It's something like this. Outside shot, but we're in the car now. You're sitting in the back. What should we sing my heart out? Okay, so this clip is a demonstration of how George moves us through a an ultimately format-less show. There's not segmentation, like you know we're in the three-clip segment right now, but you heard me introduce a few segments before this. He doesn't have that. It's also not a narrative arc where all of the things make sense chronologically. He doesn't have much of a format. He has, has that SNL sketch-like or quilted editing approach or story style. And so how he takes us from one segment to the next is his own subtle creative way without ever saying, hey, time for the next segment. We're transitioned into George's car. And we do so in a very interesting way. 
but it happens so smoothly in the audio that we forget that this this is difficult to say. It's difficult for me to tell you about unless you hear it, unless you can picture it, because audio is a visual medium. Let's just zoom in on that really quick. If I say to you, I'm writing this script of three clips in the early morning in my apartment in Boston, then whatever early means to you, you're picturing. Whatever an apartment looks like to you, you imagine. Whatever Boston looks like to you, you imagine. And then you feel the emotions associated with those things. Maybe there's a story of the last time you went to Boston, or maybe you too like to do work early, and you're imagining how you feel when you do so. Are those the visuals and the feelings that are correct for the episode I'm creating? Are they the right ones I want you to imagine and feel? I don't know, maybe, but I'm leaving it to chance. So I need to add more details. I need you to actually picture it and be there with me. Audio is visual. Words create images, and that drives home your meaning. Write and speak accordingly. Okay, one last little note on clip number two here. At the end of this clip, while we're in the car, we hear the GPS talking. And it's such a tiny detail, but I think it's really key. One reason why is that the sound of the tires on the pavement, that's helpful, but it could just be mistaken for another rumbly place, like maybe you're on a train or an elevator. But the GPS puts us exactly inside the car. The visual is inescapable. And knowing George's creativity and his knack for detail, I wouldn't be surprised if the coordinates that we hear the GPS bark, if those coordinates didn't hold some kind of deeper meaning. I'm guessing it's George's neighborhood, but nothing is left to chance in George's show, so I feel like those coordinates had meaning. So here's the beauty of this and why I bring up that GPS detail. George does a great job first painting a crude picture for us, then making it more crisp by adding vivid details later, just like that GPS. So if I told you, I'm writing this from my apartment in Boston early in the morning. Now I'm allowing you to fill in some of the gaps. I've only given you the rough canvas, but now I'm going to start to paint next. I'm not going to give you all the details up front. I'm going to give you the canvas, the terrain we're exploring, if you will. And then I'm going to start to fill it in. So I'm writing this script for three clips in the early morning from my apartment in Boston. Well, not really Boston itself, but Cambridge. It's just over the river north of Boston. There's a bit more green here. It's a college town. This is where Harvard is and MIT and Lesley University and several more schools. There's, there's lots of small bars and restaurants and coffee shops that dot the main streets. Or at least they did. I haven't been out there. And I know some closed, some for good, some just for the pandemic. It's 7 a.m. right now. I I really like writing in the quiet. Out my window, I can see just the tops of a few trees. I'm in this big brick building on the third floor. So out this window, I just see the tops of some trees. It doesn't feel like I'm in a city. I see no other buildings. And I feel like I can hide from the world and do creative work as a result, even though I'm surrounded by people. It's one of those mornings where the sun is hitting the tops of the trees at just the right angle, that half the leaves are dark and half are neon green. I woke up at 6 today. I really couldn't sleep that well last night. Too much to do and also hashtag quarantine. I'm really behind on writing for three clips. I'm also behind on launching the next workshop for podcast students that we teach. I really miss telling stories like George does on my, on my other podcasts like Unthinkable. I haven't published there in forever and it always plagues me. I'm nowhere near as good as George too. Maybe I don't put in the work like he does, or maybe I'm not focused enough. Maybe I'm not as talented as he is. My daughter starts to coo from her crib. 
She's a few feet above me on the second floor. I can hear some distant car engines, that light whoosh heading by about half a block down the street. Things seem to be picking up. It's time to stop writing. Pause. Okay, I'm back. And uh, we call it three clips after all. So let's head to that next section. So let me give you some context for clip number three. In the scene directly before the clip you're about to hear, uh, George had brought us into the car, and as he drove, he played one of his favorite songs. And he unapologetically sings the song along with the radio, and then he breaks down the meaning of the lyrics for us. Then at some point, we kind of float off into George's brain, and we're listening in on an interview with the rapper behind the song, Dundee. George muses about what he said there in that interview with Dundee just for a minute, but now in this next clip, we go back into the car. Head northeast on Tollington Park. So now I'm driving in silence, trying to decide how to fit these thoughts into a song, saying to myself, you owe it to the people that supported you this long. But you know what I realize? I talk to you lot wrong. I can't shoehorn this into a three-minute song with two verses and two choruses, only to be bored at my own performances. Nah, I need a more potent form for this. I need to introduce you to the people in my life, the ones that are telling me I'm keeping them alive. It's like Dunn was saying, the other people in the Bible. Because telling your own story is the secret to survival. If I can make you grieve and cry and celebrate and laugh with me, it might help you understand the generation after me, especially in times like this when better days are hard to see. Younger's moving mad. Since the start of the year, it's like a hundred youths been stabbed. Okay, so, and by the way, this is a meta point. The reason I always come back from clips by saying, all right, or okay, so, is because if I just started talking, if I just started trying to teach, you're still catching up for what's happening. You're like, oh, we're transitioning to Jay talking again. Like I said before, the listener to your podcast is always slightly behind, so make sure you bake in little moments where they can catch up and realize what's happening. Because otherwise, the train crashes, and it's like a multiple-sentence pileup, a multiple-moment pileup. You're trying to make sense of the moment that was, but I'm giving you new moments all the while, so you fall further and further behind. Okay, I had to pause again there because I think that was a dense point. Anyways, let's reflect on clip number three. This clip starts with the, the swooshing noise that sucks us back into George's car, and then the voice of his GPS firmly plants us back into the space. The, the GPS coming back is a callback to what we heard earlier. He cemented this idea early, and he brings it back, so it's inescapable where we're at. Oh, we were in George's head, listening to him talk to Dundee, but now he's bringing us back into the car in this story. So that, that's what's going on with the sound. Let's talk about the writing. Once again, there's a lot of layers happening here from George. On the surface, he's writing something that sounds like a rap. Trying to decide how to fit these thoughts into a song. Saying to myself, you owe it to the people that supported you this long. But the second layer of the writing is what he's actually saying in the rap. And the third layer is him thinking about what to do with it. So there's like a ton of layers here. It's the rap, what he's saying in the rap, the meaning of the words, and then him thinking about what to do with it all. But you know what I realized? I talked to you lot wrong. I can't shoehorn this into a three-minute song with two verses and two choruses, only to be bored at my own performances. Nah, 
I need a more potent form for this. So there's a subcontext to why George constructed it that way. Remember the name of the episode? Listen closer. George just showed us that it's important to listen more closely to lyrics, to words in general, and to think about, in this case, the rapper's real intent. And he doesn't tell us what I just said to you. He doesn't hand us the answer. He forces us to do it with him. He's showing us how he is trying to get to the deeper meaning. It's not just the rap, it's what's being said in those words, and then also what you should do with it all, how you're thinking about it, how it affects you. He didn't just explicitly tell us, listen closer to all rap lyrics, but it is the title of the episode. Again, listen closer. So now in this moment that we're hearing back in the car, as George starts to spin his own rhymes for us, our brains are now ready to do the same thing George just did, to analyze some lyrics. That's why we left the car temporarily to go inside of George's head, because he was thinking about Dundee's lyrics and thinking about his own experience of them. Now, back in the car, when we hear George rapping, we now play that role. We go into our heads and think about our experience of those words or what they mean. So once again, George is leading us very subtly to where he wants our minds to go. Genius. All right, now here's a question. What is literally happening here? As he starts writing his song, he hits this moment of friction in his creative process, a block. The song doesn't feel like enough. He needs a more potent form. I need a more potent form for this. For the stories he wants to tell. And he doesn't say this either, but we know he means a podcast. This podcast. Because remember, this is the kickoff to the whole show. So on that cheerful note, (laughs) welcome to my podcast. Again, genius. The format of a rap song feels too contrived for him. I can't shoehorn this into a three-minute song with two verses and two choruses, only to be bored at my own performances. This realization that he has also gives insight into the format, or the lack thereof, of this very podcast that he's saying these words on. He doesn't like to be constrained or contrived. He says to us, If I can make you grieve and cry and celebrate and laugh with me, it might help you understand the generation after me. Here he's tying us back to that very first opening scene with the kids on the playground. And clearly it's his hope to make a better world for them. But again, he does it without leading us, without saying, hey, remember those kids? This is why I'm doing this podcast. As he says in the rap, telling your own story is the secret to your survival. George could have set up this section by saying, I'm now going to give you my mission statement as to why I became a podcaster and my vision for this show and explain why I left a career as a rapper behind. But he didn't do that. Instead, he creates a rap to do it. He plays it out in real time, like the moment he realized this in his life is being recreated in a way for us. He shows us how we need to listen more closely to rap lyrics. And then he acts it out with Dundee. And then he plays us some of his own rap lyrics for us to listen to more closely. And this happens all while we drive with him in his car and have the room to reflect on it. Genius. Pure podcasting genius. The thing is, it's the little things that makes George a genius. Little things practiced, reinvented, practiced again for years. And it's those little things that we can learn from. His pacing, his sound design, his choices to establish setting and paint some of the corners of the canvas, but not all of it. Most of all, it's his writing. That is where we can all improve and be more focused with our work, I think, whether we script everything or just a few moments here and there. Audio is a visual medium. 
Words create images. Words instill emotion. Words convey meaning. And words spark action. Words are everything. Carefully selected, consciously crafted, all important. Words. Thank you so much for listening and supporting Three Clips and sticking with us through my paternity leave. Uh, I can't wait to be back with you making brand new episodes. And uh, I have to shout out Cherie Turner, who is the producer on this episode. Three Clips is a Castos original series. Castos provides tools for podcasters who want to create both public and, very importantly, private podcasts. So maybe you work for a brand and you're doing an internal show or you're a creator and you want to go deeper with your audience and provide a private podcast for your membership or your newsletter subscribers. Castos provides you with the tools to do that, all of which integrates in lots of the popular tools we all use, such as WordPress. And it makes it pretty seamless to focus on creative and community, not the technical side of these private shows. So check them out at castos.com, C-A-S-T-O-S.com. You can learn more about me, including my course for podcast development and improvements. It's called Growable Shows. That's over at jayacunzo.com. I also host another podcast called Unthinkable. All right, that's it for this episode. I'm Jay Akunzo, And as always, I believe great podcasting is not about who arrives. It's about who stays. It's about going deeper in a world trending shallow. So thank you so much for staying with us. And I'll talk to you every Monday with a brand new episode of the show. See ya. See ya.